say, no, I'm just going to say that um, we recapped screaming. We, we recapped pricked. Recrapped, excuse me. We recapped pricked. <laughs> recapped the prick uh, plot. Say that. Recapped the pricked plot. Everybody try it. Try it, Nathan. Recapped the prick plot. See, he's an actor. He's got a very trained voice. I told a story about a guy I met in Kansas who was a cop mm. who said that we'd ruined Colorado. And then we talked about quarantine a little bit. I introduced Nicole. Nicole read all the books in two days. We found out that Nathan's dad taught Nicole and all of her sisters in high school. We smoked some weed. Um, there's snacks on the table. There's a dude coming on in a few minutes to talk about plastic not plastic um right. i think we are caught up <laughs> so that was pretty good yeah land okay now we're <laughs> landing so um just for our listeners who may not have read pricked and for nicole i'll tell you that scott wrote this whole first draft the whole pricked book like in grad school right in undergrad, actually, yeah. Undergrad. He wrote Pricks in undergrad. Isn't okay. that badass? And then how much time before you started writing the second one? Was it just in the last couple of years? What was the divide? Yeah, so it was, yeah, the timeline was I started my sophomore year of undergrad, so when I was 19, then had finished it as my senior thesis uh, that I turned in and would, like, bring it out and, like, polish it and send it out some places. And then I had an agent for a while, but, like, Kind of, it was just sitting on my hard drive gathering dust. And then I sold it in January of 2018. Yeah, January 2018, uh, I sold it. So then I was like, oh, I need to write more. Uh, and I hadn't written really any fiction. I was doing mostly like screenplays and audio drama and that sort of stuff. So I, yeah, did... Uh, I sold it in 2018. It Crypt came out August 2019. And then, yeah, I started writing Screaming Beauty also in 2018. So it's, yeah, it probably took me about a year for Screaming Beauty. And so, yeah, it was uh, a little over. I turned in the kind of manuscript for Screaming Beauty at the beginning of this year? Is that right? Man, time is wonky in 2020. It's yeah, weird. I think I think finished, I finished. It was published in February, right? In March. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, oh double check me on Amazon. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I don't remember. I know. It is. Yes. Uh, oh, no. Sorry. April 13th. That makes more sense. <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> wow. Uh, yes. So yeah, I finished it early this year, edited it with uh, my publisher, and then it was out in middle of April. Wow. Yeah. And because it came out when, you know, you'd have to order it online, you couldn't go to Comic-Con, you couldn't do those promotional signings and things. What have you, have they been able to promote it? It's mostly been online, which nowadays isn't, that uncommon for uh you know novels yeah so i was able to do some uh signings and things last year to promote pricked which was awesome uh and yeah actually get in front of people and like have that kind of face-to-face -face stuff 
but yeah, there is, I mean, they are, uh, I don't have any lined up at the moment, but they are doing more like virtual cons where people are doing panels and things that are all Zoom calls and uh, kind of online, um, you know, doing it over message board, over a Facebook event, which, you know, doesn't capture the same feeling of being uh, with people physically, but is a good kind of alternative. And at this point, you know, we're, uh, it's, it makes more sense to kind of find ways to try and make that online experience similar to a con. And it's, you know, there's less overhead. You don't have to buy a whole stadium or whatever and rent it out. Um, you also don't get as much up close costume experience. That is, yeah. The cosplay is really what's, yeah. what's missing because there. Because there's so much, there's so much opportunity. Just so you know, <laughs> there's a cat in play now. Okay? I've been wondering what you were looking for. I was yeah. and we're kind of like, okay, and it's a beautiful cat. So if you get to see it, but it also could create mayhem. So um but it's <laughs> really, want really to pretty cat. Like it's out of control. So um so let me tell you what I love. Uh I love a, a bunch of practical things like you if you hadn't read um, pricked before mm -hmm. you, you do enough like um, one nibble from a muffin basket turns Jackie into a you, you know what I mean you yeah stuff from the before story to where you can pick up on oh, I'm uh, glad yeah I felt like that was really well done this is John Luke Picard that is Lieutenant Commander Worf so the cats are <laughs> amazing <laughs> <laughs> just real quick, I really need you guys to see Nicole's shirt. So just give them a look. It's um, it's what? like a. <laughs> That's that is a work of art. For our listening audience, it's a shark puking a rainbow with a cat riding it like a rodeo cowboy. The cat's wearing a <laughs> handkerchief, and they're in outer space. <laughs> so. I was in an improv group in England called Space Cats, and we all had shirts that had space and cats somehow worked into it. And Which I think Nicole just yeah. became an honorary member. Oh yeah, no, you're you're in the club. Um, uh, so tiny piece of trivia: when I first started uh, the improv group that performed at the Magic shop that the guy wouldn't allow us to call a magic shop but it was like oh, luna yeah. luna alexander and that's where i met megan cox that's where i'm you know anyway okay nicole came and played music and i had everybody make up dances to it <laughs> for those auditions she just sat on stage i'd be like play something you guys make up dances and it was fantastic it was my first <laughs> Improv auditions. Okay, because I knew what I was doing. Obviously. <laughs> One way to spot talent. <laughs> I know. It is, because people either freak out or they're like, okay, I can do this. Um, so first thing I really loved was the phrase Smurf Hillary Clinton. Yeah. That will stay with me forever. I'm was, glad. Uh, it's you describing... Briar borrows Jackie's clothes because Jackie's a princess, right? Right. So they all, yeah, are like trying to just like as a fun goof, uh, go to um, the financial district in Manhattan and try to pretend to be like upper class traders and stuff and uh, meld in, kind of blend into the normal non-magical people. Yeah. So for our listeners, um, okay. <gasps> Here comes this is Picard. This is Picard. Oh, oh, God. He's gone. He's got to go to the ready room. He's got to go. 
Yeah. Uh, oh, back. Back. That's, that's Worf. <laughs> Worf is back. Sorry. They're, they're brothers from the same litter. So, <laughs> so uh, for our listeners, uh, I know our listeners can't see the cat, but trust me, we'll post a picture. It's gorgeous. Um, there's two cities side by side. There's like Manhattan, the Big Apple, then the Poison Apple. You can read mm-hmm. through little doors that only the people that live there can see and find. And Briar Price basically is with her group of friends, Alice, who she's, who is not a magical person, right? Yeah. So she's also someone who grew up outside of New York, outside of the magical world and kind of stumbled into it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Alice is her friend. They have a, Jackie was a, is a princess that sort of was estranged from her family. And we find out why and that was a Mm -hmm. shocker and then um jackie was a cat in the first book but they healed her but now she's excited to not be a cat but her family is going to come into play again in this one and then um cade is a member of the red hoods which is Mm -hmm. kind of like describe the red hoods because i was trying to think like are they up boy scouts are they like (laughs) rangers like what what are the red hoods can you explain them Yeah, I'd say like kind of like forest rangers because the poisoned apple is kind of surrounded by this, the enchanted forest of uh, this world, which is the afterwoods. And uh, it, you can't really go too far into the afterwoods. It's dangerous. It's all the fairy tale magical monsters kind of come out at night. Uh, So in order to keep like the peace, try to keep, make sure that nothing gets into the city there's this group of uh, rangers kind of named after Little Red Riding Hood uh, who are trying to kind of keep, um, yeah, just like make sure that nothing too uh, wild is happening on the outskirts uh, that would then endanger the people of the poisoned apple. So he's kind of, yeah, like a little more of a, a ranger warrior type guy. What'd you say, Nathan? I said like a cattywampus. Like a yeah. cattywampus. Yeah. <laughs> cattywampus. Oh, I'm glad. Oh my god, so fun! I really want these to be movies because I want to see like I think I wanna... about that a lot. What? I think about that a lot when I'm watching it. I'm like, okay, as a movie, this scene would be like, and it, yeah, yeah. I think about that. Yeah, or how would it be like a trio of Naga in glittering saris slithered past us, their warm laughter mixing with the sound of the cobblestones on their scales. So like, <laughs> ooh, all those things. What's a Naga? <laughs> Even, what is a Naga, you know, and the scales on cobblestone. But what is a Naga? Is a Naga something I should already be able to picture? It's it's a snake spirit. Uh, I Ooh, and I'm going to make sure I know the actual... Uh, they're, yes, okay, so they're in Hinduism, Buddhism, and Jainism. Uh, so they're, yeah, like kind of half human, half snake uh, in sort of Eastern uh, mythology. And they, yeah, I, I kind of like the idea. Uh, there are a couple passages, like I remember the one that you're talking about, where I just like to suggest that like, Briar's story is not the only one going on here. There's this whole kind of like world there. And, you know, I I just like, especially when I'm reading and what I tried to kind of put into these novels is that it's like the thing that we're seeing, like if we're thinking of like a movie that if the camera tilted to the right or to the left, like you'd see a whole nother 
side of things. If you went down this alley, like who knows what's going on over there. There's sort of magic in the, in the blood of this city. So you're going to see just like little, little snippets of like what's going on of what this world looks like, you know, even just day to day walking down the street. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, and I would love to see like, what I love about movies is they are so collaborative and be like, what would a costume designer do with this? Of like yeah. the, the cool, like, you know, part, uh, part New York city, high fashion, part fairy tale, part magical melting pot kind of thing. Yeah. It would probably be a lot like Comic-Con. I think. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. People will be like, Oh yeah, I've been there. I know this place. This is where my <laughs> friends live. Yeah. So Nathan, can you, um, I guess sum up the what triggers like what is the event that triggers their second quest? Mm-hmm. So uh, one thing I, I like a little little connection between the first and second book is the first book is has this framing device of a crossword puzzle, and the second book has this less. It's it's really just the bookends. It's not like mentioned in between, but in the uh, at the beginning, they're just hanging out, and they're in the middle of a triv- of a bar trivia thing. Yes, yes, yes. And then at the very end, you go back to like, what was the answer to that trivia question? But in the middle of trivia, um, they hosted by Josephina Campbell, which I like a lot. Oh my god, <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> um, but in the middle of trivia, suddenly there are a bunch of screams, um, and everyone rushes out, and and finds out slowly, quickly over their, their, their phones, which are magic mirrors, uh, that all of the sleeping princesses, which is a very a pretty common thing strewn about the, the poisoned apple, um, all of the, the princesses are, who are like in a magical sleep are screaming. Um, and uh, it eventually you learn, eventually we learn that it has to do with um, the dream slip, which they are all existing in as they are unconscious, uh, even though sleeping princesses are not supposed to have dreams, but something has gone wrong and they're all being terrorized in their sleep. Um, and it's really upsetting. And I like, I like that thematically, I, 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 I took out of it that it's, um, it's, it's it's this it, it evokes this idea that like there's like constant suffering going on that everyone is ignoring um but it's becoming harder to ignore which is really relevant it's not like it wasn't true before but sure. it's extremely relevant right at this very moment yeah so my yeah. note my note on that page where it starts because they're kind of like I love the drag drag queen trivia and, she, you know, being bossy and wearing like a crazy costume and everything. <laughs> and suddenly everybody starts feeling weird. And they, so imagine being at like trivia, like fun, mm. loose night out. And then you hear just hundreds of screaming, like constant screaming. And I wrote scary AF in my <laughs> notes. <laughs> right. Because I was like, oh, that would actually be, so incredibly disturbing just you know like they're all they're all trying to go to sleep they're trying to have a conversation in the in the 
princesses are just screaming all over the land. It's such a creepy thing. It, yeah. And I had to keep reminding myself and like bringing that back when basically whenever they're in the poisoned apple, that like any of these, these moments, any of these conversations, you know, it might be muffled. It might be in the background. And like <clears throat> Briar talks about that of like, I'm, it's upsetting how kind of like numb I am to this. And I think like Nathan was saying, you're just like, that can't, that's not just about literal screaming. It's, it's about kind of how at some point we all just kind of can shut off. Be like, well, this is the world that I'm living in. And like, you kind of just like edit that out. And then, yeah, the, the kind of questions that that leaves behind of like, ooh, what does that do to you to just kind of pretend like it's not happening? Mm-hmm. And just even the, like, if you think about when I was thinking about filming it, like, how would you make that cacophony, like, make it aware? Are they talking loudly over it? Does it seem like it's in the background sometimes and sometimes it's in the foreground? Does it, you know, I was just trying to picture, like, because in reality, it would be so super creepy. How would you make it into a film without driving everybody crazy? Do you know, sure. like, without... Because it would be hard to listen to even for a two-hour yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. 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 So you'd have, um, they'd have to come in and out, or they'd have to wear headphones, or they'd have to show them kind of text talking or something like that. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and I guess that it's, you know, the... The apple, I always picture it as about the size of Manhattan, just for like thematic sake. So it's, mm -hmm. and most of it's happening in one area, but it's, yeah, it's, if it's hundreds of, you know, women's voices screaming, that's, uh, it's still going to carry, it's still going to be, even if it's just kind of like behind your, your uh, zone of hearing where it's not, uh, you know, like many cities, you just kind of get like that feeling or that like background hum. But in this case, it's it's uh, screaming, which is creepy. Super creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so, hey, Nicole, can you explain to listeners um, the reason why princesses are asleep and why it's a strange custom? Oh, well, so they can be paired up with the person they're going to marry, but maybe that prince is only like four years old at the time and the princess is like 18. So she's just going to go to sleep for, I don't know, like 12 years or so until the prince is a little bit older and then they can get, you know, meet each other and get married. Mm. Yeah. Also creepy AF. Yeah. Hey. AF. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like something that, yeah, looking at so many of those stories of even like the original Sleeping Beauty where you're like, oh, but like, so every, she was asleep for a hundred years. So everyone she knows is dead. Like some of the stories at least have like her castle is all put to sleep. So like, I guess those people she all knows and uh, kind of go with her on this time traveling. But it is like, what is that? Uh, you know, whatever story of whenever it's, and it's almost always women being put into these like trances, these uh, comas, what, you know, what are the ramifications of that? And like, yeah, I was trying to figure out ways that that would be something that would still continue and still be something like that would even be a, uh, something people would consider in, 
um, a, a ostensibly modern day kind of society, even if it has this kind of magical element. Yeah, I never considered when I used to read fairy tales. And so the last show that we did, no, two shows ago, we did a fairy tale called Six Swans. Have you ever heard of that fairy tale, Grimm's Fairy Tales? I, yeah. And my, my friend, uh, this woman wanted to do it. And um, now they're both up here. <laughs> it's a very tenuous situation with the cats. But <laughs> yes, I want one of them to come through so we can like see they them. Fill all the, the walk on so, the laptop and turn something off. Oh, yeah, that would suck. <laughs> We'll, we'll be careful. So um, Six Wands, she's like, let's read a creepy fairy tale. Fairy tales always creep me out. And I told her this mm. one was coming up, but like... Oh, pause Six really Wands quick. Is- really quick. I'm going to conjure a LaCroix. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Yes. <laughs> Panties. That was amazing. <laughs> I used an expression. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is for the fans. A lot of, lot of Easter eggs in this episode. Oh, yeah, no, no, Joseph Campbell's junk made me laugh really hard. Joseph <laughs> so great. So, so many Easter eggs. And so many, I want to make a, you know, it would be fun fan merch if you want to make some. It's little mm. t-shirts with the expressions on them that are like Grimm's Damn It and Rose Panties and... Yeah. There's so many. I wanted to go through and like star them all so I could start, just start working them into my. Whoa. Mayhem. Mayhem. Everyday lexicon. That's my roommate, Jackie. Just kidding. <laughs> so, yeah, creepy. Doo, doo, doo. Oh, this was um, great. So, <clears throat> these are all friends hanging out, they live together in um <clears throat> in the afterwoods right so they live on the edge of the afterwoods the but yeah yep yeah and they're they're friends and they're always hanging out and um that you know you hear early on like uh jackie's father has hired wants to hire them to um look into this because antoine and briar are kind of this crime fighting team sort of <laughs> One's a night and the other one's like got the magic flowers that she can put emotions into. And um, it's such a cool power. Uh, so I wanted to ask, oh, so the little foreshadowing is, as far as I knew, Jackie hadn't been in touch with their family since they're falling out two years previously. So she mm-hmm. hears that it's her dad wanting to hire them and she wonders what's up. And we find out that one of the sleeping, screaming princesses is her sister, Mm-hmm. Ray. Right. Yes. yes. And so now she's very invested in this because she realizes, and there's even more of a backstory to this because we realize later, uh, I don't even want to give this part away yet, but <laughs> we realize later that she almost herself, Jackie almost herself, agreed to mm-hmm. being put under a sleeping curse. Right. And, and uh, it's like she's saying like, oh, I was young and stupid and I really wanted it because our families were going to. And it just reminded me, especially right now, people are having to grapple with like, OK, um, the way I used to think, I am now totally aware that that was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm embarrassingly having to admit to the fact that I used to buy into this system, mm-hmm. this like old school fairy tale way of doing things. 
And that is a lot more relevant right now than it would have been, you know. Sure, even as I was writing it. Like, uh, yeah, no, that it's, uh, I think, yeah, and that was a scene that I wanted to, yeah, uh, you know, be delicate with it. Of Like, I think that Briar, to me, I was trying to show that, like, she's being a good friend and, like, letting Jackie kind of work through that and talk about, like, this sucks because it goes so against who I am now and what I believe. And yeah, all of that can be true. But I think that also it's uh, the risk there is that like, if Jackie's just punishing herself for having, you know, believed the thing she was told when she was 14 or uh, I forget exactly how old she was when this was happening, that, that, you know, it's not necessarily her fault that she, bought into those things because it was kind of what she was brought up with. It was what she uh, had been kind of absorbed as a child, but that it is kind of her responsibility to then say like, nope, we need to make a change and kind of then being able to sort of work towards saving her sister and make sure that even though her sister kind of was caught up in this uh, kind of barbaric practice that is still in the poisoned apple, that she's able to kind of uh, do something. And I think that's also something that I feel like has become uh, oddly um, relevant is that then it shows, uh, yes, these characters are kind of the, uh, they love going to brunch. They're 20 somethings in New York. They're kind of uh, sassy and love like giving each other shit, but also like when something's happening, like they, they organize, they get their community together. They kind of work against these kind of other forces that are, working in the Apple to try and uh, take control and that, yeah, but it is kind of this uh, all hands on deck sort of thing where even Alice or Jackie who don't have, you know, uh, fighting skills or magic powers that they're like, cool, we know people, we can get people together, we can, you know, communicate with other people and form kind of a network to work on what's going on. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know what I wanted to ask you was, um, how did you, like in the first one, they're trying to save someone's boyfriend, but it turns out to be her brother's boyfriend. And that's mm-hmm. a twist at the end. And who's doing it in the background is a twist at the end. And it was the sister mm-hmm. and she's trying to sow discord. And like, there's all this stuff. How did you decide or how soon did you decide what the next problem to solve was going to be? Like, how did you decide it was going to be screaming and dreams and the forest and like, how did that unfold? Uh, Well, this is uh, sort of my thought process was I was thinking of like when I was writing the first novel, which the original title was the poisoned apple, which then became like the series title. Um, But yeah, it uh, then (gasps) (laughs) Um, sorry, I had to pin Nathan's video. So I, you know, really focused on what's important. (laughs) Um, so I was honestly just thinking of other names for books in the series and, you know, something that would work in both the, the magical fairy tale element and the kind of, uh, you know, little detective sort of, uh, mystery drama sort of stuff that goes on. And so I thought of the title of Screaming Beauty and then kind of was like, okay, now work backwards. Like, what is that? (laughs) Which I'm not saying is a good way to plan a novel, but it's in a, a way to do that. And, um, yeah, so it just kind of, then it all, 
came together. And so that again was a thought I was having in, you know, the mid two thousands, well, late two thousands, but, uh, yeah, then it sort of like came together and I was able to sort of, um, yeah, uh, merge it with sort of, I think what's, uh, what is going on and sort of a real, a real light touch, but also kind of like mentioning themes and issues that are happening right now. And even though I, didn't feel like a fantasy comedy was the best way to like really dive into the nuances of uh, uh, social issues. But I did want it to at least speak to people's feelings about that, speak to kind of the, the emotional core of some of those things of watching things go really wrong in your community and stepping up and doing something about it and not just kind of being passive and saying like, Oh, I'm a young person. I don't have any, stake in this or like, oh, someone else in charge is going to take care of it. And I think like those are some of the things that, uh, yeah, do kind of come back to you where you're like, oh, good idea, Briar, where she's just like, there is no one else. Like no one else is coming. If we want heroes, we need to be them, you know, and that uh, is something that I, I hope kind of is, is yeah, comes through to people. And, uh, oh, kitty. <laughs> Which one is that? Well, this one is... This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Oh, so dignified. I know. He likes belly rubs. He's got a lot of responsibility. That's impressive. A lot of cats. That is uh, a, a way to lose a hand. Starship Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> Did a lot of training. Um, the uh, Just to put this in context for the listener, I can't believe I didn't do this right away. Well, it would have skipped on the recording, but... Uh, it is June 9th, 2020. Um, we are in a global pandemic. Um, a lot of Michigan, Michiganders and Americans have the highest employment we've had since World War II. Uh, a lot of places have been closed and people have been quarantined for um, three months. Um, also, in addition to that, <laughs> there are riots and protests in the streets all over the country. Currently, right now, like one is starting in front of the police department in um, on Hogback Road. Mm. And uh, it's about protesting police violence and um, kind of everything. I think everything. It's a boiling point. It's supposed to be about 90 degrees today. Um, so this reading this, the, the last, you know, few days and sort of the city coming to a boiling point and people being in the streets and people getting shoved around by the white knights and all that stuff. Also, probably a lot more real than you thought yeah. it was. Uh, writing it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so strange, right? so strange that yeah well and as uh, someone mentioned earlier that it's like it's not like these are are new issues it's not uh something that is like I, I think some people it is it does feel like the first time they're kind of like coming into contact with some of these things and that's good that's not something to kind of judge or point fingers at but i think it is like this uh whatever the issue and uh you know and also like a lot of this, I was writing it last year and, you know, the things in the headlines uh, about like Me Too and just mm -hmm. how that just, again, these systems are built on 
kind of uh, pushing people, uh, marginalized communities, uh, groups into boxes, into oppression. And yeah, that, you know, even something that is fantastical and kind of outside of the norm of possibility, like putting women under sleeping curses does feel like a, you know, uh, a symbol, something that it is, uh, I hope, <laughs> clear in the novel that like, we, we can't just let that slide. We can't just say, well, like, that's the way we've always done it. And I wrote this novel because I love fairy tales, but also just like really deconstructing that and thinking about what the the themes or the messages being communicated are. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> hey, Rye, let me know when you can hear. I can't hear you yet. Can you hear me now? Yes. yes. Yay. Hey, what's up? Where are you? Are you in Maine? I am in Maine. Okay. Well, I'm Shelly. I'm the one that's been talking to you. This is Nicole. That's Nathan. And then this is the author of the book that we're reading, Scott Mooney. Hello. Hi there. Everybody hold up your book. We're oh, reading I don't know that I have one within beauty. Scott, I do that same stuff all of the time. Like it's, <laughs> yes, I totally get I it. Congratulations on the thing. book. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, so right. We, um, I've been doing reads and weeds for a little over two years and we've done about 50 episodes and 42 of them have actually become recordings that I could put into <laughs> podcasts cause I screwed up sound on some of them. But, um, we read books and talk about weed stuff. That's pretty much the whole format. And uh, Scott and I know each other um, through Im the improv comedy scene in Ann Arbor. And uh, Nicole and I used to work together at Zingerman's Roadhouse, a really good restaurant in town. And Nathan and I know each other from theater stuff. And they know each other from theater stuff. And they know each other through <laughs> high school. And Everyone's and connected. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. There will be a flowchart in the episode notes that you can find <laughs> oh, out how we all know each other. Yeah, and you should you should get this book. I don't know if you like fantasy, but Scott has two books out right now that are that are about a uh, Briar Price is the name of the protagonist who can take emotions in a flower and send those emotions to someone else by giving them the flower or blowing the petals on them, and she sort of fights crime and assists <laughs> sort of a. a city right next or through secret doors of the big apple which is called the poison apple which is sort of the magical fairy tale world yeah yeah, yeah. a, lo so a lot of important themes there are a lot of important themes and so uh, we've been talking about that so i wanted to have rye on because i have been smoking a lot of pre-rolls this past year a lot of pre-rolls and buying a lot of weed at dispensaries and there's a lot of plastic packaging and it, it bugs me because I want, I don't want the industry to be known for producing 10 million little plastic tubes, you know? So I started seeing, uh, for reason weeds, uh, I try to follow a lot of cannabis businesses and they follow me on Instagram and stuff. And I saw, I started seeing Rye pop up and the company's called Not Plastic, K-N-O-T, plastic and can you just tell us about it and what you're trying to do i would be honored to tell you about it thank okay. you so much for for the invitation today and you know 
for me, there's a, a personal wellness journey component that happened even leading up to getting into bio-based plastics. And I am so one honored to one just be a part of this industry. There's so many really cool things that are going on. And as an advocate for the industry and the plant, but also as an entrepreneur, this is in a super exciting time in, in business development. And we have the opportunity to build an industry and build it correctly from the very beginning, which includes all of the components of really good capital conscious practices. And so for me, it was really evaluating my place in the cannabis industry. I enjoyed it. Uh, and I wanted to figure out what is, what is my role? You know, am I in the media side and, you know, helping to educate and just build empathy for something that people don't have a lot of experience with? Mm -hmm. And so that's how I started was to navigate. I thought it would be, you know, it, really kind of arrogant for me to say, I want to be a farmer or I want to be a retailer. I know that I want to be involved. And right. so I used uh, my podcast called Weed Buds Radio to have conversations with, when I say movers and shakers, I mean people that write the policy, people in politics, people in the community, and patients, and really drive an understanding of the plant and the economics and the community development behind the global picture of, of what we see as cannabis. And doing that, I realized that like any industry, there's a fair amount of hypocrisy in, in cannabis, but what a unique opportunity we have. Most industries are dealing with a lot of things right now and they are trying to play catch up on decades of injustice, of, I, what I want to say is uncreative problem solving. You know, mm -hmm. plants were one of the original forms of plastics. And we can look at war, we can look at policy, we can look at international relations, but plastic did need to be made in an affordable fashion. And yeah. it was, yeah. they stumbled across petroleum. And we also have to recognize, I don't, I don't like to demonize individuals that were trailblazers and pioneers. I would like to assume that the people that discovered petroleum-based plastics had good intention. They saw yeah. sanitation. They were, yeah. They were saving you know, time. They were saving, you know, they were trying to help the modern housewife or they were trying to keep food fresh for, you know, keep food from spoiling or yeah, it totally. So, so what industry were you in right before this, right? Were you a scientist? Were you working in manufacturing? No, I started my career with a drive-in movie theater. And I did that for a long time. And then I got into marketing and advertising and worked with different clients all over the United States, uh, startups and more established businesses, and really just focused on communication. But for me, what I realized is that, you know, I've 
as much, I embrace hypocrisy and I, and I love for people to kind of challenge me and call me out. And at the same time, I feel like that's one of the, the most important aspects of business is let's look at our entire vertical and find out where we can do better. But the problem in most organizations is there's a singular focus on output. Mm-hmm. And the more we produce, the better off we are financially are. Well, generationally, though, we have a responsibility. Now that we know that petroleum is not the end-all be-all, now our generation has to set the tone for the next one in terms of being better. So again, that, that's why I go back to, I don't want to demonize the founders of, of petroleum or the founders of petroleum-based plastic. You know, thank you for, for bringing these concepts. Thank you for finding ways that we can dispose of things. But now it's our time to, to do them better. And, you know, and Shelly, I see behind you, you know, some, some plastic containers there. I mean, petroleum yeah. is, is everywhere around us. And so you don't want to use that container and then send it to Scott to put something in, and then him put a salsa in it, and then he's going to dip into it. So we know that disposable is safe, but it's not safe for people in the environment unless we make it so. And so the concept of, of not plastic is more of me as an entrepreneur connecting dots between science and industry because industry is the one that does the marketing. They make us buy stuff. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to be one of those champions of let's buy stuff, I have to be a champion of let's buy better. And what I found is that it's expensive and it's hard. It's not easy, but there are scientists that know and there are industries that recognize. And so for me was just using my relationship building to create the partnerships. And now we have a partner with some of the best science minds in this space. And, you know, now it connects the dots to industry. So now I look for partners in industry that have these single use items that just want to make them better. So we don't want to, you know, as part of our, not plastic means so many things. For me, one of the things is it's real. You know, there's, everything's plastic, right? And so much of our communication is plastic. It's fake and it's directed towards whatever audience is in front of you. And what excites me about this is it doesn't matter if I'm speaking to the four of you and your audience, or if I'm speaking to another group, my message gets to be the same. What are you doing and how do we do it better? And that's where we come into play. And so, yeah. well, so as tell- I, yeah, well, Shelly. Tell me just for time's sake, tell me like, what is the, are you, are you making, are you finding places across just the cannabis industry right now to replace something with something that you're creating? Is that what you're doing? Yes. So for me, the podcast allowed me to look at the industry and say, what are our biggest culprits? And we all, pre-roll tubes, I think, are are one of the biggest. But I also think they're one of the most important. Because let's say, for example, you know, Nathan goes into a dispensary for the first time. And he, (laughs) I know Nathan, this would be your first time. But if you went in for your first time and you were looking for guidance 
And you said the, this ailment, 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 consequence, and a really good bud tender is going to listen to you. Well, a really good bud tender is not going to sell you an ounce of something until you've tried a few different things. It's a very tailored approach. And yeah. what easier way to try things than pre-rolls? But I agree. You, if you walk by any ocean, you will see pre-roll tubes up and down the beaches. And uh, so how do we allow people to make the same thing, make it better, and our product comes from soil and it goes right back to soil. And that is the, the biggest component. So my focus is the cannabis industry, but my team's focus is industry, is yeah. what other industries commit these crimes and we can help them be better. Yeah. So right now, do you have like a like a, a production place in Maine that is making this plastic alternative bag, or is it making tubes already? Is it working on tubes? And yeah, how have your inroads been? Like, are there a couple of uh, dispensaries where we can see see them? So the cannabis packaging will be live in August. So we've done some prototyping and uh, we've dialed in the process to be able to do it. And so then it's tooling. And, uh, you know, for those that don't know, it's basically these steel blocks and very fine tools help make the molds. And so the cannabis stuff will come online in August. We're making bags right now for grocery stores and retailers. Um, and in a couple of weeks, the farmers will really enjoy this zip ties will have the world's first biodegradable, not plastic zip tie. Think of all the uses, you know, for, for things like that. And so, you know, for me on kind of the product development and market side is, you know, yes, my focus, number one is cannabis, but our production is from California to Maine because we're not going to be able to saw, I mean, think of the products that you're looking at right now and how much plastic, you know, so for us is we can provide the raw material. So if you're making a single use disposable item right now, we want you to still make it. We don't want to be the makers of it um, because we love business. And so rather than any assembly line or production line shutting down, we can provide the raw material to make what you're making. Everybody stays employed. You just make it better. Oh, interesting. Wow. Okay. So, and can people, where can people hear more about you? Is it notplastic.com, K-N-O-T, plastic.com? And what yes. can they see there? Can they see like little videos about stuff being made or... Yeah, so we're doing a total overhaul on the website. So you'll be able to see some different things. Like uh, if you connect with, with me on, on LinkedIn or Instagram, you can see we've got the, the machines that make the bags and you can kind of follow the process. And, and as we continue to expand and grow, uh, we'll have a lot more. But yeah, it's just knotplastic.com. And right now you'll see a lot of information about the bags and uh, we're bringing some apparel on board because for us, the whole reason this started uh, was because of the question, why not? Is every time I pushed, and what I tell people is my job is to inspire. There's companies out there, you know, for example, a partner of ours in Australia that's making a really cool product that's going to help my mission of eating ocean-based plastics because recycling ocean plastic, in my mind, is one of the most unethical things that we can do. Um, China doesn't have an EPA. So when they recycle, they're hurting someone. 
And we as the United States have been okay with that. We've allowed for that to happen. Well, once it goes to China, we don't care. That there's still children over there breathing in this air. It's not okay. And so can we develop enzymes to eat the plastic from the ocean so we don't have to have those fumes coming back into children's lungs? And so, you know, that for me, it's about the community behind this. So you can see our mission statement there. We, we do the injection molding. We work with companies on all sorts of products. And so, again, we don't have to sell everything. We want to help you do what you're doing better and so yes. we've got a oh yeah please Shelly this is if you're a weed smoker and you probably are since you're paying attention to this or maybe you're just curious or bored and you don't have anything to do during the quarantine but um these they're pre-rolls if you live in an area that doesn't have dispensaries yet there's these little plastic things picture a little tiny individual cigarette or joint goes into a little container and it's very convenient but at, soon after using them you start to realize like oh I'm, I've got a lot of these little single use things around and I, that's usually not my jam I'm a I'm a glass jar keeper and user I'm a paper bag person instead of a plastic bag person and so when this popped up I was excited um and reached out to Rye. And so if you what say the name again of your podcast. It is Weed Buds with a Z Radio. So weedbudsradio.com. Okay, so you can keep in touch with Rye Russell and Not Plastic and Weed Buds Radio. Um Yes, yes. Okay, so let me see if I can stop, stop, share, stop, share. Oh, boom. There we are. We're back. Ding. Um, yeah, so we are going to jump back in and talk about the book more. So I wanted to ask you, um, do, 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 if you're on, can you go on the Reads and Weeds Facebook page and put your website, like just comment. If I try to do it, I will lose this whole feed. I will no, <laughs> but Put like your Weed Buds Radio, like how to get in touch with you or find you, you know, so so it'll be on the Facebook page. Um, I will. And if you want to hang out while we're talking, do you have kids? I do not. You do not have kids. Okay. I'm, so, I'm just a big kid though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is, I don't know if you like fantasy or if you grew up liking fairy tales, but this is this category, um, Scott described it on the last show, new adult fantasy, which means that like young adult fantasy would be like Harry Potter age, right? Is that yeah. right, Scott? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, like, like teen. teens, right? And this is more like the, the characters in this are in their 20s. So, and they're sort of crime fighting, magical <laughs> set of friends who are, um, and you can hang out and listen for the rest of the show if you want, if you would like to. And if not, and if, if at any point you have to go, you can just be like, later, I'm signing off. <laughs> I, love, I, would I would love to hear more, absolutely. Oh, good, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so what we're talking about is Briar Price and Antoine and Kate and Alice and Jackie are trying to solve this mystery of why the princesses that are under the sleeping curse are all screaming. They're not supposed to be having dreams and all of a sudden they're having nightmares. And uh, so they're kind of 
working with a wizard who works at the school. What's the name of the school, Scott? Uh, the Academy of the Iron Wand. The Academy of the Iron Wand, and her name is Tansim? Tam uh, Tamsin, yeah. So we meet Professor Tamsin, and, and, and then they go on in, on kind of the, they're a group of friends, they're a lot of times hanging out at this brunch spot called Second Breakfast, kind of plotting what they're going to do next. So they're sort of activist magical creatures. <laughs> that Some of them are activists in like the planning out, getting information kind of way, and the others are getting ready to go sort of battle the dragon kind of thing. So um, Scott or Nathan, tell us about a couple of things that happen along the way of their adventure. Another in char important character they meet is Lyndon, who is oh, yeah. respell like Briar, um, meaning that his magic does not come from the academy. Uh, it's sort of like, well, we're not sure where it comes from, but then later we learn more about that. But um, yeah, he has he has sort of powers that have an unknown origin, and he's learning about them, kind of like Briar was learning about her powers last book. Um, and his powers involve dreams. And Scott, you can tell more about how that Yeah, works. so that was kind of, uh, it was interesting because that was a, something I didn't do as much in the first book, like kind of this interesting stylistic sort of thing where we go into different characters' dreams. Uh, Lyndon's power then kind of like somehow interacts with Briar's power and they're uh, drawn into when they go to sleep, they like enter the dreams of people around them. And so that kind of uh, allowed me to do some things that were a little more uh, experimental and different. And uh, there's giant robots. There's, you know, kind of more, uh, a little more abstract in some of those scenes and sequences where it's uh, trying to evoke a sort of dreamlike feel. Um, but yeah, that Lyndon's power then kind of like becomes a big part because they're trying to get in touch with or figure out what is going on in this kind of like dream realm, the dream slip uh, that is causing kind of uh, the chaos in the real world and what's happening to these princesses. And they're able to kind of like sort of peek into what's going on, but not be able to uh, figure it out until they kind of go through things in the real world. And they have to kind of, uh, yeah, I guess the next thing is this journey into the afterwoods, into this enchanted forest and trying to go kind of further than, than anyone's gone before into that kind of, uh, monstrous world where they of course meet the cattywampus which seems like a, a fan favorite for this group it is it is well it's a great word first of all <laughs> cattywampus is a solid word of course <laughs> a real good word and also trying to picture what a cattywampus because there's arms and legs everywhere and it's sort of like a big rolling cat that's huge, right? Is that what yeah, yeah, more or less. It's kind of like uh, cat meets caterpillar, but like not, uh, I don't think it's uh, like unique. symmetrical, sort of like how we would expect things to evolve in the real world. But sure. sort of, yeah, just this like ball of, of claws and fur and 100% inspired by my cat uh, attacking me <laughs> while I'm trying to write. So yeah, just kind of like uh, I did... I wasn't sure either because like I uh, like we were talking about like the kind of gap between me writing these books of I did want there to just be some like fun magical adventure like between all the like deep emotional talks and the like 
chaotic stuff going on in their world to also just like have them run into monsters and fight them and that be kind of like exciting and fun and some action sequences, uh, but also kind of um, strung together along this quest that kind of had a big big stakes attached to it. But yeah, the Cattywampus is, is, was one of the more fun things to write of just, uh, yeah, le- I think because I'm drawing from so many different like fairy tales and mythologies and things to then also just do some of my own stuff and be like, this is a fun idea and a fun word and I'm just going to go with it. It was, was a lot of yeah. fun to write. There's endless. It's great. It's so great. Cause once you buy into the, the fact that people can have random powers, then you can just kind of assign things like, Oh, free spells <laughs> means this. It just means that. And then mm-hmm. were you going into the book? Did you already know that the free spells were going to be connected to like the, life tree or whatever it was <laughs> sure the that it yeah that their kind of role had more to do with the creation of the poisoned apple and this whole magical world that had always kind of even in uh, writing book one like the the general idea was there i think i definitely worked out a lot of the specifics as i was writing and i kind of knew that this uh this kind of new new force in the poisoned apple the the fata the um kind of these creatures that are uh, sort of the the um, creators of the poisoned apple uh, would come into play and be connected to Briar's powers. I'm so excited by this cat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. It's a leopard. Right? It is. It's beautiful. So cute. Is this, is this still yeah. Picard or is this Worf? This is Worf. This is, this oh. is Lieutenant Worf's butt that we're seeing here. <laughs> Favorite Thank you. High quality content. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Only the finest cat butts on this stream. <laughs> Scott, can I can I ask a quick question? Please do jump in. So when I, you know, for me, you know, I'm not a, a skilled writer by any stretch of the imagination, mm-hmm. but I can, you know, for me, from a marketing and communication standpoint, right, so many ideas and concepts that become word or become visual play in my head. And so just, you know, listening to you kind of talk about these things, for me, what's fascinating is the the mind development of, mm-hmm. of these stories. How much comes from you know the the daydreaming and the nightmares and all of that and how much is your writing and then all of a something you know something kind of slaps you in the face of oh this is it and then you kind of keep going what do you mind just because it's so fascinating to me that process yeah and i'd say it's it's definitely a mix and there's the the things that kind of will come to you out of the blue when you are like grocery shopping or in the shower and you're just like, oh, of course, you know, so-and-so is this person's father. I knew it all along. And like, that can be, I think there are times where you really have to like work at it and you put in the like, okay, I'm building this step-by-step, brick-by-brick, like, you know, oh, that doesn't work. I'm going to cross it out and start over. And there's that much more, I know that's, I guess, not neurologically true, but the whole like left brain, right brain thing. But like, so some things are very much in what we categorize as like left brain organizational uh, the logical stuff of it. And then there is the stuff that is just like subconscious. Some part of your brain is working on it as you're doing something else. And then it just kind of hits you, which is super fun. And also so frustrating because sometimes you like, you need that one, that one extra piece. And you're like, I know this isn't completely working. What's missing. And sometimes you can like do all the work and like think as hard as you can and not come up with it. 
And then other times it's just like, oh, it just kind of like appears. And so, yeah, it's, it's a, uh, I don't know that, so I'm working on my third novel now. I don't know that I have like a, oh, this is my process. This is the like step-by-steps that I follow to always have, you know, knock it out of the park and uh, make something a success. It's like that, I think, you know, at least for me as a creative person, like you kind of have to do whatever works for this project and you kind of relearn and figure out new stuff every time. And it's, I, one thing I always like, uh, I get it why people are so drawn to it of people being like, oh, so like, how do you write? Like, what are the steps? And it's like, you can't, for me at least, I could never take someone else's like, oh, I wake up at 5.30 and I write, you know, 30 pages and then I do this. And it's like, you can, that works for you. That's awesome. But I do think so much of being a creative person is figuring out that for yourself and what works for your brain and what kind of puts you into that state of, of flow, of excitement, of kind of getting you into to what you're working on. So. Does that answer some of that question a little? A- absolutely. No, I, I love it. And, and I have just one more. And I'm sorry, this is so exciting to me. You know, <laughs> you know when, when I'm thinking, you know, just I'm picturing Scott in this, you know, like cave of thought. <laughs> uh, but have you, have you noticed, for example, like let's say, you know, your mind, you're in one of those kind of, I call them thinking states, right? Where mm-hmm. like you might be present in the world, but you're absent from this world. Uh, have yeah. you noticed, so like, for example, like your mind sober versus your mind utilizing cannabis, for example, mm. do you unlock things within characters that you may not have even <laughs> realized? I definitely, I think like there is that state of whatever your altered consciousness is, whether that's, you know, substances, meditation is something I definitely use. Uh, I would say that like it is just about firing different parts of your brain and thinking about things. And like, I, yeah, I would say that sometimes you just like uh, different parts of your brain are active at the same time or connected in different ways that I do think that you can kind of make that, make ideas or connections that you wouldn't have normally made. And that can be, uh, yeah, very helpful. I will say I'm not very productive if I add some weed. It's, it's definitely a, a uh, thinking state for me rather than a, um, I'm going to sit down and write. I think that that, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, because you're so kind of free associative sometimes when it's, uh, you're just kind of making those connections and not necessarily following through always. And like, you can kind of go off on tangents, which can be very fun, not always productive, but yeah. Right. So so Nathan, uh, say whatever you're going to say and then tell us about Baron, is it Landgraves? Landgraves, yeah. Landgraves. So say whatever you're going to say and then give us kind of a lead into this Baron Landgraves situation. Okay, so one of the one of the moments that really stood out to me that I wanted to talk about today is this moment where um, Briar discovers a uh, another layer of her power, like a, an amplification of her powers that's been sort of building up throughout the book. Um, which again, I, the discovery of the powers is so interesting. And, and I think that's, you know, that's everyone's favorite part of heroes. Uh, sure. and this, you, you can't really get better than that. So, um, what was I saying? Yeah. That, that idea of like, of just suddenly being hit with how everything comes together and, and that sort of, left brain like oh yeah this now um 
I think you you described that really well in this moment where suddenly Briar knows exactly what to do and she mm. summons all of these rose petals from her garden far, far away, and which is something she's never done before. But that's totally mm. a cool, dope thing that this power <laughs> could manifest as. And it's great that it doesn't like show up until like near the end of book two. Um, sure. You know, you didn't just think, oh, she could do this, 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 and this, and that's <laughs> a cool hero. Yeah. Um, and, and I love that moment. Um, it was really cool. And is Thanks. it where she's is it where she's trying to get past the guard? What she she she's it's sort of like the the point where every where all is lost and they've yeah. caught her and like they're gonna lock her up and everything and they didn't they oh. didn't manage to get everyone out and so she she summons this this huge swarm of of petals that goes across the whole castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for a minute, it's like, well, what, what did it do? Um, and for actually, I was thinking, like, did she just, like, change everyone's feelings in the city? Because, again, that gets to this weird, like, sure. how ethical is that? But what <laughs> she did was she woke up all the sleeping princesses. Mm-hmm. And that leads to um, them beating Baron Landgreaves because the princesses have super strength, which I... I know I was, I know we need to talk about Baron Landgrave's, but why did you decide to give the the princesses super strength? That I think I'm gonna keep in my chest pocket because that is something that the okay. motivation, because it is uh kind of we find out sort of who the person pulling the strings is in the very end. Uh yeah. And yeah, that does I understand the like there's there's a reason she did that. Uh, narratively, there's some fun thematic things that I like that that does, but like her motivations will become more clear in book three, which is not a, not a satisfying answer, but I don't want to uh, yeah. tip my hands too early. But yeah, that that uh, is all part of this kind of like curse and what she was kind of doing, what she was trying to do, and then kind of how that affected the princesses is all kind of yeah. connected. Uh, but no, I love, and I'm glad that the fun power stuff, I think in, when we're talking about creativity, that was one of the fun things about this book, both books, was that giving her such sort of unique powers and then being like, well, here's a challenge and then having to kind of think like Briar would think of like, well, how would I accomplish yeah. this? What are the ways that feelings and emotions, which are not usually an action hero's like dominant suit, uh, how would that be able to overcome this challenge? What would, you know, and sometimes that did involve like changing what she could do with her powers, giving herself, you know, uh, different ways to use them. But yeah, it was kind of a fun, like the two things that I kind of gave her as her tool set were the roses that she can do various things with. And then also her dagger, which can cancel out magic and like kind of between the two of those things, she uh, is able to do a wide variety of, stuff and then of course she has her friends and kind of uh companions who have different skill sets but yeah that there were times where i was just like well how do i do that like what would uh what would this help with and like how is her you know the, this power that does keep evolving like you don't want to just be like oh well like she discovers she's the perfect thing at every moment because sometimes she doesn't sometimes it is like well i guess this one we're just fighting it out there's no way uh magic can work or I just have to get out of this situation and kind of regroup later. But yeah, I think that um, her, I do feel like that has kind of um, slowly built through the different books of like her being 
slowly being able to affect roses that she's not touching started happening in the first book, but was still just like, oh, this is a weird side effect. And then like her kind of becoming a master of that and becoming uh, confident in what she can do and just being like, well, uh, if, if this is what needs to be done, I need to be the one to do it. Yeah. So something to realize if you're thinking about reading this or if you're maybe even if you're wondering if you should recommend it to someone of a certain age, um, mm. there's there is a love triangle, but there's it's not like sex and there's yeah. there is fighting, but there's not like swords slicing through people all the time. It's it's a it's not Game of Thrones. It's, not, yeah. no. it's fantasy, but it's not like a murderous fantasy. So I wanted to see if you guys, because I had a couple of things that I loved. And I wanted to see if you guys, you wanted to compliment or Nathan. Um, I was surprised by what the things that she chose to quell a certain situation. And mm. I feel like that's so applicable right now when we talk about de-escalation training for police because there's one scene can you guys remember the scene where it's like she's she's basically making the person open and accepting to her oh yeah it was she saw someone that she pretty much she was like i could see this person next week at trivia and, and, and they're, they're like, why would she voluntarily join the White Knights? In the hotel? And then so she oh, gave her, yeah, no, so she gave her like a taste of like seeing yourself in other people. Yeah. And it like de-escalated the situation. <laughs> oh right. my God. So, so the White Knights, is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah. yeah. White knights are this suddenly like, we're going to take care of this princess, screaming princess problem. We're going like, to... They're like the squat team. It's like <laughs> they're the squat team. Yeah. Like yeah. Team. And and some people are like, oh, thank you. Like they're buying into it. And other people are like, um, no, that is <laughs> fucked up. And so there's a leader. Okay, tell us about Baron Landgreaves now, Nathan. Yeah, he's a he's a good old family values Republican politician. <laughs> 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 yeah, You're uh, not wrong. His his like you know police force is the White Knights, and he's very much like, yep these these poor frail weak women need protection from us uh, strong men, uh, and uh, I, I don't necessarily think he's a Trump like figure. Right. Yeah, but yeah. certainly corrupt Republican politician, and yeah, and just like. Uh, huge ego and selfish um, like a normal politician, but it's not like very Trumpian in his like ludicrousness. He's a little more easy to swallow on the surface, I guess. Right. And there's, and there's the twist that one of Breyer's friends, Jackie, whose sister is under the sleeping curse, rejected him a while back, causing much scandal and probably damaged ego Hmm. Reject, he, he rejected a, uh, his proposal to have her marry his son by sleeping curse. So the sleeping curse is, uh, right, you know how in fairy tales they'll be like the sleeping princess, right? So right. in this story, that's kind of defined, you know? It's like, uh, why would the princesses be sleeping? Well, in this story, it's because, like, a match has been made between that royal and another royal family for a marriage, but the princess is too old 
for the prince right now. She's like 10 years too old. So they put her to sleep until he catches up. And they stop aging. And they stop aging. So I know, creepy, right? (laughs) So somewhere, all of a sudden one night, all the princesses start screaming like they're having nightmares. So picture that, constant screaming. One of those is Jackie's sister. And we find out that Jackie rejected this like crazy leader's son a few years ago when business dealings with their parents went awry. And uh, that is such an interesting backstory because it's so personal and like it's personal. And yeah, that made it good. That made it real good. Yeah, because I wanted to show like different perspectives all kind of butting up against the same issue. And like we were saying earlier that like people's uh, views can evolve on, you know, various issues and that that, uh, you know, what's the most important is kind of like where you're at right now and uh, kind of as things in this story come to a head, like they all sort of have to to reckon with this and realize that they're not... uh, yeah, I guess like maybe this is a very like pie in the sky thing, but like that they're not dealing with it on their own, that they're able to kind of uh, come together and through all their different kind of unique perspectives and uh, skill sets kind of make this happen. And as you were saying that, Shelly, I actually remembered, and I don't, I, it's hard to keep track of all the different versions, but there's one version of Sleeping Beauty that actually uh, like their the prince who eventually, you know, marries her and they have this lovely uh, true love, like he's not actually, the only difference between him and all the other people who tried to rescue this princess is just that he tried after a hundred years had gone by. So it was like, there's an image of him going through this uh, like uh, thing of thorns, this hedge, and there's skeletons of all the other princes who had tried to woo this princess. And the only difference is just that he had come at the right time. And that like, and of course, in like Freudian analysis, people are like, so it's about like having to wait for a young woman to blossom, blah, blah, blah. And it's, but it's in the story, it's just, he was the first one to try after the hundred year curse had ended. And so he's her true love. And you're just like, what about all these skeletons? These literal like dead people just like hanging in the thorns. (laughs) Yeah. And you're just like, oh, also none of this has to do with like, the way he treats her, the relationship between them, like the woman's like ability to make any choice because she's asleep for most of the story, even though it's theoretically a story about her. Oh, cat problems. The cat just reached over my keyboard like... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Podcast over. (laughs) So So basically, if you're not willing to sleep for 10 years, you don't love me enough. (laughs) Right? Right? It's... uh, Guys... I think some fairy tales might have some problems in them. I oh, I'm starting, that, starting to come to that conclusion. So yeah. that six swan story, when we talked about that, we're like, so this king's first wife hates his second wife so much that she moves all of the kids out into the woods. One of the kids, uh, all of her brothers get turned into swans. She lives in a tree naked for like eight years, <laughs> doesn't say anything. And then she meets another king and... And then I'm like, wait a minute. So this king goes out into the woods, comes back with a naked mute girl, and nobody has any questions. And then she became 
the queen. And it's like, wait, what? And then <laughs> three kids, but she never really starts talking. And he puts the kids in the woods. Why do you do that? No explanation at all. And meanwhile, she knows that her brothers are swans. So she's sewing them all shirts for seven years and being mute so that she can rescue them from their swan life. <laughs> Hashtag swan life, yeah. <laughs> and they, they have one meeting in which what the boys say is, you're in a den of thieves, we can be human for 15 minutes a day. And that's it. That's their conversation. So check it out. It's called Six Swans. <laughs> all of that sense right there that I just did. Yeah. Okay, I want to see if you guys remembered uh, any, I want to hear any phrases that you loved like Perot's panties or holy hellhounds or Grimm's damn it. <laughs> any of those, because uh, I want all of those in my repertoire. I, let's see if I can still have it. I made a spreadsheet of them from the first book. Oh, you did? Did you just sell one? Yeah. Um, oh, we talked about, what was it? I, I will say I, I did imagine Scott with a spreadsheet and he's like, okay, so here they're going to say one of these things. <laughs> and I'm gonna <laughs> well, it was here. to make sure I didn't repeat too much. Because, oh, yeah. 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 So um, I love the fact that Lennon comes into the picture and at first they're like, oh, this is the creepy guy. Maybe he's infecting all the dreams. You're really good at the twist. I'm glad. Well, and even Baron Landgreaves, like, obviously not a good guy, but also, yeah, like, I wasn't sure how much the audience would be like, well, this seems too easy to just be like, the bad guy did the bad thing. Like, that. Yeah. not that that's, uh, uh, he was doing bad things, but that, yeah, there was kind of more going on, uh, right. hopefully, that people kind of uh, were able to to learn uh, learn along with. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I think you covered a lot of them besides uh, this one just says Oberon's balls. Exclamation oh, yeah, that was because I was like, there's something with balls that I, oh, I that. do like it. Oh, I don't know how anyone lets me publish this. This is. Yeah. Yay. Bike. Um, What'd you Sorry? say? <laughs> I'm just scanning through. Bilbo on a bike is. Uh, <laughs> Bilbo on a bike. Love it. Christ on a bike. I love the Tamsin character because you can just picture immediately. In every story, you need that that old person working in a lab. Like <laughs> yep. you can just go call on, and they'll immediately jump in. And and then that person, even that um, Tamsin, even has sort of the conflict of like, am I here to do science or am I here mm. to help save the princesses? And that's that was interesting too that was a moment too that i think uh was one that i wasn't like oh i'm gonna plan ahead and this is like about the character arc that i've planned for the beginning but it just like in that moment it was realizing like oh all these characters have come together but their motivations are not 100 percent the same or clear and so having her she makes the right decision she's like oh right okay like if if what i'm doing can actually help I need to like sacrifice what could be, you know, magical uh, knowledge and advancement of kind of their version of science mm -hmm. that right now the needs of kind of uh, the princesses are greater. So yeah, that, uh, that moment also didn't uh, kind of just like evolved organically and popped, popped and surprised me. So a couple of 
spoilers, a couple more spoilers. Um, there's a foreshadowing at the beginning when they're playing trivia. They're trying to remember what happened in this adventure or story. And and one of them's like, oh, Grav, remember we, is it Grav or Grav? Uh, great question. I think Grav. But Grav. yeah, I didn't necessarily uh, decide. So Grav is like a warrior huntress that they grew up reading about. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of go through a world slip. They, the, this, the wizards develop this sort of honing device for the dream <laughs> world. It's like a hat, right? That just, yeah. Slip or something. Yes. Yeah. That's figuring out where this disturbance, where the thing that's causing the problems with the princesses is coming from. It's, it's so cool to be able to just, ex- like you set up the world, I think, so well that you just accept like, oh, okay, it's like a rune type hat that tunes into the, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you say it outside of context, it sounds just wild, sure. but no, yeah. I'm glad <laughs> you just and went I with it. Wearing it and it sort of looks silly. So one of the things about this is even though there's like serious problems to solve, What's great about the characters is none of the characters are really taking themselves all that seriously. <laughs> like there's always comic relief. Mm-hmm. There's always little like caring moments between the friends. And, you know, that kind of, you know, it's funny, kind of like buddy cop way that cops will be in a really rough situation, but they'll be joking. It's mm-hmm. such a good like buddy cop type feeling where like we're walking into the woods and we might die. But we got to crack jokes. Sure. You're still going to give shit to your friends, like uh, lighten the mood. Yeah. You're going to make fun of somebody's outfit or you're going to make a play on words. And that is really fun. That is fun. Um, So another spoiler is like so much stuff happens in the last 30 pages. (laughs) Oh, right. Which, Nicole, you have not read. Is that? (laughs) I know. I was like so close. (laughs) So much happens in the last 30 pages that you'll be like, wait, what? <laughs> Good things happen. Good things sure. happen for princesses. Good things happen for the revolutionary spirit in general. Yeah. Um, but a lot of things are le- left unresolved. And then at the very end, there's such a huge twist. I won't even spoil it. But everything <laughs> that you thought was happening and why it was happening... Like we were just talking about, like when you're watching Game of Thrones and it's all like, defeat the Night King, defeat the Night King. Def-, and then they do it and there's still more episodes left. And you're like, What's wait? sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do now? We already defeated the Night King. Like, oh, what else? And so the very end, you still don't know if she's with Kate or Antoine. There's not a bow on it, which I appreciate. And also... The magnitude of what is happening and the scale and sort of that mm. creepy last little like opening for all the things to come. Right. And when you said your friends were pissed at you, what did you mean? <laughs> Not necessarily pissed, but I think everyone's just like, okay, so you didn't finish. You need to right. let us know what happens. And unfortunately, that third book's a little farther off. Uh, but I don't know. We'll, we'll uh, silver lining with quarantine. I'm getting a lot of writing done because nothing mm-hmm. else is going on. But uh, yeah, that the um, I did want to make sure that it wasn't one of those like cliffhangers that does is really just like oh I stopped writing and like the story's not resolved. Like there is 
I hope closure to a lot of the events of the novel, but I did want it to, with all the revelations of like what's going on and Briar figuring out about more her identity and her powers, that then that kind of like hooks into what's kind of really been going on throughout the whole first two books. And so, yeah, I, uh, this, it was a fun thing. Cause I was like, Oh, I've kind of had this in the back of my mind from the jump, but then to kind of let, uh, the audience in on that secret a little bit and then have it kind of, uh, um, set the stage for the third book. Uh, and uh, yeah, hopefully, <laughs> Uh, I'm not 100% sure how Briar is going to fix things, uh, but uh, hopefully she does. We'll see. Be, I do feel like uh, I, uh, it's been interesting also with people like kind of reading this and uh, like friends and family members talking about like during quarantine, during all the events that have been kind of uh, making people feel uh, worried and unsafe that like this hopefully isn't a series that... Um, uh, that can kind of touch on these things and deal with uh, serious issues, but still have that humor and that kind of whimsical element, I hope. And that, that that's felt good to me of being like, okay, this is hopefully allowing people to kind of process and uh, think about these issues, but not in a way that they feel upset or unsafe or, you know, realizing like, yeah, okay. It's, it's, uh, even if you're being attacked by a catty wampus, you can still kind of like sneak a joke in here and there, lighten the mood. Uh, and yeah, I, I hope that kind of comes through in it. Oh, yeah. And even just the big, huge themes like the tree and the, the what's in the, the bloodline and like yeah. all these big themes and the world slips and the dream world slips and yeah, so much room to explore. I'm, well, and I'm glad it wasn't like overwhelming too much because I did think this book in some ways did more world building, although we got to know like the poisoned apple really well in the first one. I think uh, I really enjoyed, and that was like a fun thing about having Tamsin, that kind of uh, wizard professor character. She actually knew more about what was going on and like what... Uh, just like thinking about like what makes magic work in this world and what uh, that means to their everyday lives. Cause I kind of like the idea of this being like uh, magic for them is like Wi-Fi for us where it's like, I know how to make it do what I want. I don't know how it works. Is, yeah. Is yeah. it electrons? I don't like what, what's going on there. Is it a radio? Uh, like right. if you ask me to build a Wi-Fi transmitter, I'd have no idea, but like, it's still a part of my everyday life. It's how I'm talking to you right now. So that kind of magic being a part of people's lives, but only a, a select few kind of really knowing what's going on. And yeah, it was fun to kind of have that uh, explained, hopefully in, in terms that Briar and the audience can understand. Yeah. Love it. Love it. There's so much. There's so much we didn't even talk about. <laughs> What's super interesting is you know, obviously having no exposure to the stories or, sure. or to the books, but being kind of in, in this seat, listening to this world, what to me is super powerful is 
the fact that whatever you've put into written word has Mm -hmm. now in my mind, whether I'm in your world or not, I'm starting to become part of this world. And I'm seeing (laughs) all of these different components and I'm making my own world up in my mind of, Mm -hmm. of where that is. And I think that that's, first of all, just so powerful. And, you know, so one, thank you again for inviting me to be a part of this. But, you know, from your perspective, Scott, like how cool that there are now, like you've created this world and you've created Mm -hmm. these beings that now take on these different meanings to different people. And, you know, whether you pick it up today, and I think Shelly had mentioned, you know, there are some things that you've written that might hit people with today's current affairs. Mm. But 50 years from now, somebody might pick up this book and those meanings might take on an entirely different thing. And I think that's something that's so powerful with literature in general, but just mm. something I just wanted to share with, with you and, and all of you that, you know, for it's really, it is, you can still be a part of this world without having read it. Now I can't wait to go buy it. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and Nicole you. and I can finish the last 30 pages yeah. together. Um, <laughs> So this is the first one. It's called Pricked, and that's where everything's set up. We did that, a few, I don't know, last oh. year. I can't remember. Yeah. It was before today. How about sure. that? Yep. After I was born. <laughs> in the past. Today. Yeah, it was sometime in the fall, maybe like October. In the fall, yeah. yeah. Um, so the, this is it. And uh, Nathan or Nicole, any final shout-outs, thoughts? I don't know. I'm excited to read the third one when it <laughs> when it oh, comes out. Thank you. Yeah, me too. Nathan. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I also I'm very wrapped up in the the lore now. So mm. yeah. Whenever you're ready, give me another one. Gotta. Yeah. Keep keep working on that third one. Can't leave people hanging for too long. Yeah. 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 And it's. I it's a page turner, man. Way to go again. Oh, I'm glad. Thank you. No, I'm, I'm and yeah, like Rai was saying that the like it's so fun that you know people are picking things up and uh, that people can have a conversation about it without me in that way and that like that discussion's happening and people are uh, yeah have their favorite characters have uh, things they want to see in the next book and always feel free to share those with me and uh, be like oh what about you know. Oh, really? The woman who runs the brunch place. Like, what's her deal? Like, are we going to get to see more of her? It's like, uh, maybe. No, I want spinoffs. <laughs> well, right? But, like, you introduce that that weird, like, character that reveals so much right at the end. I don't know if you say oh, it like, yeah. Sejura? Can yeah, Sejura. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's a joke about um, writing. It's a joke about poetry. The yes. other one's name is I Am. Oh, yeah. oh, no, yeah. I got that. Yeah. I got that. Of okay, course, okay. of course. I was all about that. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, what? I am. Yeah, anyone who's had, like, any Shakespeare, <laughs> like, high school, read Romeo and Juliet, I hope picked up on that. That also yeah. does remind me um, of a thing I want. I'm sorry, did I cut you off, Shelly? No. Okay. I forgot what I was even talking about. <laughs> Carry on, Nathan. I... I I liked that the um, the drag queen host of Trivia Night's name is Josephina Campbell, yeah. as in Joseph Campbell. And yes. to have at the end this kind of meta discussion about her story arc. Mm. Um, and I liked that. I didn't think it was too 
meta, you know? Yeah, the like really navel gazing, like, well, now that I know I'm in a book and a story, but yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> but there is also this, like, the, the fact that she is related to these Feta does make her an author in the story in a yeah. weird way. And I just, I, I don't know. I like that. Maybe it's because I'm a fan of Rick and Morty that they also <laughs> do that very meta, like, this is a story. Then let's talk about how it's written. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, I think it was really cool. Uh, oh, I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. I was, no, it's... And I was like, no, it's <laughs> over. <laughs> and it's like, you've got to wait till next season. You're like, right. There's not even any spoilers unless I just start writing fan fiction that's going to be terrible. And everybody will be like, hurry, Scott. <laughs> she can write. Get your lawyers on her. She's uh, <laughs> ruining your brand. Right. So you call F A T A, you say Feta? I've been saying Fata, but uh, it's from a Latin word uh, that. And I hope I'm using this uh, and doing the right etymology. But yeah, it's the it's like the root of the word for fate, but it's also the root of the word uh, that became fairy. So like the origin of fairy tales goes through this word. Uh, so yeah, a little nerdy uh, side note for you. To, um, but yeah, that they're uh, kind of uh, that connection to both fate and fairy tales just like fit yeah. really well. I do not know how you're supposed to pronounce it, but yeah, I think Fata is what it was in my head. Yeah, if if um, and I'm always a fan of anything that's got like tree-like people in it. Mm-hmm. Love that love it, um, and the couple, the barbarian couple, just the oh, whole yeah. thing. Yeah. The whole th- I want to hang out with them. Yeah. I'm like they seem like a good hang. Airbnb, and I want to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hang out with him. Uh, that should be your like self-insert fan fiction. Is like Kelly yeah. goes to the cabin in the woods. Goes they have the like, the woods. axe throwing in the woods yeah, as an of activity. They do. Too. Of course they do. They started log rolling. They started it. It was yeah. there a long time ago. Um, well, shoot, you guys, it's been two hours. We've been talking about Scott Mooney's. Screaming Beauty, and about not plastic, and about the state of affairs of the world and all of that. <laughs> um, I'm really glad you guys are all well. I'm really happy yeah. that you joined me. And um, if you are listening to this in the future, I hope you're safe and happy and reading a lot. And uh, get get at me, you know. It's, it's really fun because I just realized having... Um, Rye on here. We've had people on here from um, South Carolina and Maine and Michigan and Chicago and Argentina and Iraq and you know and for some reason there's this group of people in Spain that listen. I don't know who you are but if you could contact me. I keep seeing the stuff pop up and so if you're in Topeka those people whoever you are I'd like to talk to you. Um, for real, if you hear this and you're listening in a state that's not Michigan, or I don't just know you from, you know, the cannabis scene here in Michigan, I do want, you know, to talk to people from every single state about the state of affairs or every single country about the state of affairs with campus, uh, cannabis and criminal justice, and also about what you're reading. And, uh, that's just really fun for me. And if you're a writer and you want to Whatever you want to, I, talk, I was on a show last night called uh, Medical Mondays. It's like a cannabis strain type show, but we talk about all kinds of cannabis laws and 
and those guys are artists and we're going to do lyrics from their new album we're going to talk about lyrics from the new album so, so and nathan if you've got any little scripts you want to do yeah you know? has he got one like right there oh i thought you were getting here, <laughs> here. No. um i haven't been thinking about that but i, I will think about that you should. It's always fun. We've done, Scott, I don't know if you've known this, but we've done Hamlet. Oh, I think yeah. I saw that you were doing it, but I didn't catch the yeah. actual. And Dog, and listen. Dog yeah. gone. And mm. did we do one more? Oh, yeah, The Whale was the, the last whale. thing. That was like the last thing I did before. Yes. Yeah. It was that Sunday. We were all together and then we, I went to the Bernie rally. Like we were all together in the morning, thousands of people at the Bernie rally. Yeah. And then. I went back to that house tonight, that late at night for the concert, and then it was over. <laughs> it was like I remember, I remember that COVID was like a thing, but it wasn't like the thing. It was um, over there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I remember my friend was like, Are you coming to the Bernie rally? And I'm like, I'm just a little nervous about like coronavirus. And she was like, That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were such a beautiful day. We're all hanging out together. No worries, you know. No worries. It was, yeah. 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 The before times. The before times. Well, yeah. thanks so much. This has been Reads and Weeds. And thank yeah. you all for coming and listening. And, thank you uh, for having us. Yeah, you're welcome. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye. John Luke Picard and Lieutenant Worf, the cat's name. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. Thank you.